This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 341. I'm Micah. I'm Eric. And I'm Bethany. We have replaced Andrew successfully. (laughs) (laughs) With a girl. It was it was a long audition process, but Bethany, you beat out the 550 other young women who came to the casting call. Ah, oh, what a what a victory! <laughs> yes, uh, as everyone may have guessed, uh, we're joking, and uh, Andrew is actually traveling at the moment and unable to make this week's MuggleCast. But we have a lovely Slug Club member, Bethany, joining us as originally planned, and thrilled to have you on, uh, Bethany. Please. Tell us about yourself, uh, your favorite book, favorite film, Hogwarts House, all that, all that good stuff. Um, I'm a Ravenclaw and Puckwudgie. I, um, I think McGonagall's my favorite professor out of all of them. It's a tie with nice. Lupin, but I do love McGonagall because she's like really stern, but then she's also like really, really caring and loving. Um, yeah. Uh, what are the other questions? My favorite Hogwarts class? Um, I would have to say Charms, that sounds awesome. Um, favorite book and film? This one's really hard because I switch it, like, every other day. Um, but I just watched (laughs) the first movie and I just could remember, like, seeing it for the first time and, like, the magic feeling of it starting the whole movie series. So, first movie, um, book, probably three or seven and what is your patronus um it is a ragdoll cat i'm pretty sure if i remember ragdoll cat yeah which is also i think i saw a video the other day that's also tom felton's patronus so uh-huh that's cool we're connected you're in good company then yeah i'm pretty pretty stoked about that we uh lots of connections going today uh, i was telling you before the show my sister's name is bethany yeah, and then... It's a good name. Yeah, and then I'm from Pennsylvania like you. And then I was in Chicago on Tuesday as well. What? Yeah, I was up oh. there for the day for a job interview. Um, we, uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't hang out. I know, I was literally there for like maybe six hours. They flew me in in the morning and flew me back at night, so... Wow, that's amazing. Well, though, hopefully for, you for end up getting the job. I did, and... I did already. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, I got it. Actually, Andrew had emailed me on... Thursday and I'd heard Wednesday and I was telling him I was like this is the best week ever I got a job and I'm gonna be on MuggleCast well congratulations yeah congrats thank you and and now that you're gonna be up there oh actually actually I won't be in Chicago that's where the I know I know everyone thought that when I was going up there for the interview but that's where Mm. the headquarters of the company is but the job's actually out in California oh wow yeah well to do a layover in Chicago or something so we can (laughs) congratulate you in person yeah that'd be awesome Uh, I was going to say, though, you were there Tuesday night, and we all know that Andrew and Eric were going round two for trivia on Tuesday night. that's right. That's where we were on Tuesday. helped you out, because from what I understand, you actually fared worse than you did on your first trivia night. God, Micah, you had to bring this up. You know, I wasn't going to mention it, uh, you guys, but we, of course, uh, talked about it a lot on last week's episode. Andrew and I went to, yes, our second round of Harry Potter trivia in Chicago um, since he moved here. And I got to say, the questions were easier, but 
that meant that all the other teams had more of a shot, uh, and therefore our end result of fourth place, not second place, uh, was a direct result of that. You guys, we got fourth place, not second place, as we had done the first time. And um, unfortunately, it was a difficult time for us all. Please send your condolences to the P.O. Box. Uh, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> in material gifts, send me chocolate. I am in mourning. <laughs> chocolate fixes everything, so. Chocolate fixes everything, right? Um, but really, it was a fun night. It was a fun night yet again um, of Harry Potter trivia. And yeah, you know what? Like I mentioned the questions were easier, but the questions that were harder were absolutely like harder. Very, very difficult to figure out. I feel like a question that everyone asked, were they bo- more book-related or movie-related, the questions? You know, interestingly, I so the person who ran the trivia, whose name was Lily, actually, um, Lily S., so I think it's sort of an alternate timeline where Lily and Snape paired up, uh, turned out to have not read uh, the books or seen the movies, um, which was, I know, I know, which is... Just like, what are you doing running Harry Potter trivia? But the trivia was run through the theater, the movie theater that we were at. So it was um, the Davis Theater, uh, which is in my favorite neighborhood of Chicago. But uh, they do trivia every week. And so it's just that the category changes or whatever. So this girl's run trivia before, but not Harry Potter trivia. But anyway, the questions that we got wrong, in case you're wondering, uh, which film in the Harry Potter franchise is the shortest? And... For a long time, the answer to that was movie five, uh, which is shocking, but I always remembered it because that's the longest book and it's the shortest film. It's sort of like ironic, but actually movie eight, the very final Harry Potter film came in uh, seven minutes shorter than movie five. Um, So that's the correct answer to that. And what was the other one? Oh, um, in Goblet of Fire, let's see if you guys know this. In Goblet of Fire... What dragon does Fleur Delacour face off against? Oh man, my friend always quotes this scene because of what the... Chinese fireball. Yeah, Ooh, he always right? quotes that line. Um, but I can't. it's the Bartimaeus Crouch, senior. Yeah. Senior. Uh, I'll say. I'll say it's the Welsh Green. Hmm. Any Any guesses, Bethany? I'm trying to think of what dragons they were. From what I remember, you have the Hungarian Horntail, which we know. Mm-hmm. Harry, yeah. Harry ends up with the Chinese fireball, <laughs> the Welsh green, and there's a, is it a Swedish? Short snout. Sh- short snout. Yeah. Yep. Yes, it is. Um, so what's the answer? So, well, well yeah, the answer. First. Um, no, you, you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, just, I would probably say the Welsh green as well out of those ones. Yeah. Well, you, you two, you should have been at trivia with this because it is the Welsh green. Yeah. Um, but uh, but actually, that was the that was the thing. You know, it's kind of like throwing darts at a wall. We we could name the dragons, but as for the specific memory of who got what, I actually thought it was anti-feminist for uh, <laughs> for Floor to get the common Welsh green, like it's just some boring dragon. <laughs> like it's just like, oh yeah, she probably got the Swedish shorts now because it sounds more badass, and she's badass, but. Anyway, it was the common Welsh green, and that was our answer. So because we got those two questions wrong, um, other teams were able to uh, succeed us by one and two points and four points um, because each question was oddly like a different point value, and there were bonus points awarded for something else. Anyway, 
the final question had a wager with it, and we were able to wager our the entirety of our points. Oh. So, so it's like Final Jeopardy, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, but like the enti- all of our points. So basically, the you? top. Well, yeah, the top four teams, but so did the other teams. So everybody wagered their entire points, and so what was originally a trail of. Uh, four points behind ended up at the end of the night eight points behind um so you know nobody none of the standings changed before the wager question to after the wager question because everybody got the wager question completely correct which was an easy one by the way what was Um, it? it it was dumbledore what he says as opening remarks to the students in year one um you know nitwit blubber admin tweak so there was a disparage of uh, of of difficulty, but uh, I will say that uh, ultimately it was a very fun night, and we were all uh, thrilled. And you know what? The first four rounds, including a bonus halftime question, our team, which was rolling like bowling, had um, 120 points out of a possible 120 points. And there were only six rounds. So it was only in round five or six after I posted to our Facebook group and bragged about it that we lost our luck and our karma ran out. But that's like saying we were tied at halftime, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you sports person. Uh, But anyway, uh, no, these all sound like really great events to go to i know cities throughout the country and, and probably even internationally have them all the time mm-hmm. it's really a, a great way uh it sounds like to me i haven't been to them yet maybe i need to go out to chicago and come to one of these nights uh, because clearly you need some support <laughs> if i but, had yeah. if i had known yeah. i would have canceled my flight home and come found you guys <laughs> Well, uh, we did talk about it on the show, to be fair, but also um, the, the it sold out very for quickly. An interview, Eric. She wasn't. I know. About what you know... time you guys were going to be at <laughs> trivia night? Look, it's about priorities. We could have used an additional Ravenclaw on the team, but I will say the problem with this is that they do always sell out early. You have to pre-reserve tables. You have to tell them, you know, what your team size is, so they can match it to a table. It's it's real rough. This stuff usually books up like months in advance. Mm-hmm. It's it's stupid. Just because Harry Potter is so popular, gosh. Mm-hmm. What was the top um, prize? Uh, top prize in this case was fifty percent off your bill. Ooh. So um, obviously you're eating and drinking at this place. Um, so no cash prize except if you're eating and drinking while playing trivia, 50% off your bill. Other times it's been like the first one that we did, which was um, sponsored by the Potterotica show. Those like the cash prize there was like actually just 150 in cash or a gift card um, or something. But it's like it mostly feeds back into pub trivia. So, so you go again. Um but still, it's not nothing, you know? You get a free night of drinking with five of your closest Harry Potter nerds. It's not bad. Uh, no. But we got fourth place, so we got nothing. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as mentioned on last week's episode, the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition was released. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, uh, mm-hmm. but we did have a giveaway over on Patreon. And uh, just wanted to give a quick congratulations to our October giveaway contest winners. We do do a monthly giveaway uh, for our patrons over on patreon.com slash mugglecast. Abby and Kara both won uh, copies of the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition. So congrats to them. I actually won the first giveaway with the house edition of Philosopher's Stone. I got my Ravenclaw one. So it's so exciting to get books from you guys the best 
the best. Mm-hmm. Micah, and did you send did you send uh, Abby or Kara the one that fell on the floor that you had? And then keep <laughs> no, the no, that's your... mine. <laughs> <laughs> My floor is forever dented as a result. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, but it also just wanted to mention uh, that we may have another contest for our members of our slug club coming up later on this month. Uh, more mm-hmm. information probably later on this week, but uh, we're keeping that under wraps. But suffice it to say, I think that uh, people will enjoy it. And uh, Bethany, any thought? Did you actually get a copy yet of the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition? I actually haven't because with this new job, I'm moving really soon. And I told myself I would get to buy it when I moved because it's one less thing to move. Although I put all my Harry Potter books in a box and it's ridiculously heavy. So what's one more (laughs) book? But yeah, I'll buy it once I move. Well, suffice no, that's to, I mean, really it is smart. pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Plus having like the first two, all seven of the normal books, Fantastic Beast, Cursed Child. And then I have the page to screen book, which is like twice the oh, size of the of the yeah. illustrated one. Yeah. So one less thing to carry on the truck. Well, Eric, no. oh, I was going to, I keep thinking you're moving to Chicago. I was going to say, Eric, will have your copy ready for you upon arrival in Chicago. <laughs> if only. I She's mean, not coming here, dude. You could fly to Napa Valley and welcome me with it there if you'd like. Ooh, Napa Valley. Okay, only if you bring uh, welcome wine. Okay, deal. And Eric, uh, speaking of patrons, a little bit of news for uh, one of our patrons who was on MuggleCast back on episode 334. Neva, right? She mentioned that she was going to be doing a podcast that was going to be released in October called Full Fat Foodies and is now available. So, recommend uh, those of you listening out there give it a download, check it out. It is a weekly health, wellness, and fitness podcast hosted by normal people for normal people because living well shouldn't be so confusing. Yay. Um, so. uh, it's in, it's really inspiring to see our listeners, people who've listened to us, go off and have podcasts of their own, and to start podcasts about which they are passionate, or, or top that you know discuss topics about which they are passionate. And uh, Netta is the latest of uh, all of uh, these listeners to to do so, and uh, we definitely think that it's great. Also, I I like the topic, so I'll definitely be listening to this. How about you guys? Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I love listening to podcasts, and I always run out of them. So mm-hmm. I always like trying new ones, so I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, especially one about <laughs> health, wellness, and fitness. I think yeah. I could definitely use that, so I will uh, be giving it a listen. Yeah, definitely. I hope it's um, as educational as I need it to be uh, to start working out and eating healthier. And speaking of eating healthy, I think that takes us easily into our first sponsor for this episode, which is Blue Apron. Uh, This week's episode is sponsored by Blue Apron, who are celebrating their fifth anniversary in October. Now, to mark this occasion, they're bringing back their top 20 recipes from throughout the past five years, as picked by the Blue Apron community. So Blue Apron's all about giving people fresh recipes to explore as they learn to cook new dish after new dish, which is why, and many people don't realize this, they don't repeat recipes within a calendar year. This is what makes this limited time offer so exciting. So you can try out Blue Apron's all-time customer favorites by going to blueapron.com slash mugglecast. I understand Andrew and his family are going to be holding a birthday party at the house to celebrate the anniversary. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, check out this week's menu and get 30%. Uh, ooh. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash mugglecast. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash mugglecast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Micah, what do we have for news? Let's talk a little bit about the news that's been going on. A couple stories here, and then we're actually going to get into a main discussion around Fantastic Beasts 2. We talked a lot about the casting news on last week's episode, but we thought it'd be a good idea now that we have all this additional casting to see kind of where we stand overall in terms of what we know and what we can expect from the second Fantastic Beasts film. Right. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about Cursed Child, Broadway edition. Uh, tickets are going on sale this week. We're finally here. Uh, we know confirmation emails are going to be sent out on Monday, October 16th, the day the I'm, show. I'm glued to my phone right now, even though we're a day early right now. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, I, so I, hope, I hope I get one. We're recording on a Sunday. Confirmation emails are going to be going out tomorrow, which is when the show will be released. Mm-hmm. And then tickets are going to go on sale on Wednesday, October 18th. So if you get that confirmation email saying that you have a successfully made the pool of registrants, you can you go are on a verified by, fan. Yeah, you are verified officially. You get a check mark next to your name, just like on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, <laughs> I guess the Facebook does it now too, right? So uh, yeah, I th- I've seen Andrew is officially verified on Facebook. Andrew is verified everywhere. That jerk. So this this is uh, exciting for those who are fans of Cursed Child or at least want to check it out here in the States and couldn't make it over to the West End of London to see it. Has everybody here successfully at least gotten their name registered and, and the number of tickets they want and when they want to go see it, all that stuff? De- definitely. Yeah, definitely. I did yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I got tickets if I'd be able to go, but... Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. I could always, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a whole group of Harry Potter fans in our Facebook group. So I could always. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure you'd have no trouble getting uh, getting rid of them if you couldn't make it for a performance that you selected. Yes. It's a great thing about the patron Facebook group. Yeah, it is. Um, so definitely, I'm, I'm excited for it. I've mentioned a bunch of times before, but I'm hoping to go on my birthday week, which is opening week of uh public performances there will be previews but i'm not sure if you can even buy tickets to those on this uh through this process so yeah end of april i hope to finally see cursed child that bastion of uh new material so so you will be scrambling as soon as tickets go on sale assuming you get confirmed on or verified on monday you're going to be looking to buy up april as quickly as you can yeah um Probably, I mean, not all of April, just uh, the end there, probably like the 24th or something. So that's um, an interesting question, though, and, and Andrew may have more of the answer here, but in terms of when you can buy, is it is it just going to be like a block of time that gets opened up, or will you only have a very specific window that you can purchase in? Uh, I'm not sure. I think you'll probably get the confirmation email. My guess would be that you would then... Um, use that confirmation on the website, assuming the website loads, which, to be honest, they do not have a good track record of that. 
um, once the website loads to first put in your code and then you'll see like a calendar, which is probably at least 18 months, maybe more, uh, where you'll click on specific dates and then all the show times will be listed for that week. Again, sometimes I guess, I don't know if they're still going to do this in New York, but my understanding was that there are different performances, different nights, not not every night has part one and part two simultaneous, but some nights do. So somehow you're going to be presented with all the dates and then you click on the ones that you want to go and it'll tell you, oh, this is just part one. And then the other night, like the next night is going to be just part two. Please be aware that this is a multiple night thing, which is the thing they have to say because people need hotels and stuff for like extra nights. And then you'll basically get like presented and have to choose then, I think. Wow. Seems very complicated. That's a guess. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. complicated. Um, anything worth doing is complicated. And I'm sure that we'll see some promotion going on for tickets officially going on sale this week here in New York. We know that there's a big billboard up in Times Square. There has been for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, have you have you walked by it? Have you snapped uh, no. your selfies? Haven't. Sorry. Haven't snapped a selfie? Why not, not Micah? Not yet. Well, I don't you're have not a, tickets yet. If I don't You're not a real Harry Potter fan. I, I, well, look, if I'm going to be a verified jerk as opposed to a verified <laughs> fan, I Look, I, I need to make sure I have tickets in hand first before I go ahead and start taking pictures and selfies and all that stuff. I guess that's fine. Um, so looking forward to uh, seeing who makes the cut and who doesn't. It'd be yes, funny um, if one of us didn't get tickets. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor, uh-huh. listeners. And I I hope that we're not all banned because Andrew was Wormtaily that one time. Another bit of news here is that the Corman Strike series is headed to Cinemax here in the U.S. It will be in June of 2018, and this is a little bit different. Uh, I thought initially that the series was going to be available on HBO, and Mm. Cinemax, which is actually a series of stations, um, just like Stars and Encore and a few others, Mm. that you have to pay for uh, if you don't have it if it's not in the bundle of of cable that you currently have it's it's an additional ten dollars a month and the series uh which is a a seven episode series right now uh five of those episodes have aired already in in the uk on bbc uh but all seven of them will be coming to the u.s in june of next year but available through a paywall uh, on cinemax yeah, um, it's weird, I guess, now that all of these pay networks with either streaming or cable have, like, it's all it's all about content wars, and the, everybody wants to have their hands in a an exclusive series that they can just stream on their service or just show on their service on their channel. Maybe it's always been this way, but... Um, Definitely, Cinemax is a, an interesting choice, I think. I didn't even know, not to sound ignorant, but I didn't even know it was still around. Um, looking on the website now, the other like original series and things that they're showing on Cinemax include a show from Mike Judge, who did Beavis and Butthead, called Tales from the Tour Bus. Another series called Quarry, 
another one called Outcast, and one that is in its second season called The Nick. Um, K N I C K. They all sound great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, well, Skin- uh, I, was, I, I almost called it Skinamax, which is what a lot of people uh, refer to it as. Yeah, it has it has a history of uh, low quality porn, softcore porn, right? Yes, and and we will leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I will say though, like July or June that this is coming out in, like I don't June, think I can yeah. wait that long. I'm just going to contact my friends who get the BBC, and uh, you know. I will uh, go to their place and watch it. Mm-hmm. Bethany, have you have you read the um, the Corman Strike series? Yes, I have, and I'm looking forward to watching this. I just obviously I don't want to pay for it, so it'll just be figuring out um, how to watch it. But yeah, I really enjoyed the books. Do we know? Aren't there? Do we know how many are in that series, or when the next ones are coming out, or anything? There will be seven. Uh, the fourth one is called something like Deadly Light or Pure Light or something. I'm going to look that up. But uh, the fourth book is is not yet out, but there will be seven, my understanding. Gotcha. Mm. Uh, lethal White. I was very close. Very, very, very you close. You had the white part. You had half of it. De- well, I said Deadly White. Yeah. Lethal oh, there white you go. You had it. Same thing. Yeah. Lethal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. But um, the, the TV series is seven episodes coincidentally non-coincidentally i guess depending on how you want to look at it but those <laughs> those episodes do cover all three books that have been released to date so cuckoo's calling silkworm and career of evil all fit in those uh seven episode block yeah yeah and it seems um i i, I don't i haven't read any reviews about it uh yet but i heard it was pretty good from my friends who have the bbc yeah, and, and it's worth mentioning too really quick though, even if it was going to be on HBO originally, uh, you do still have to pay for HBO. HBO is not free. Uh, so uh, again, right. I understand uh, people's struggles. They like to uh, consume content in different ways, especially in in this day and age. So it'll be interesting to see if something like uh, the, the Corman Strike series uh, ends up making it to Netflix or Amazon Prime or something along those lines. Mm. Given that Andrew is is not here this week, I thought that we can talk about a story related to uh, the tales of Beetle the Bard. Oh, phew, it's safe now to talk about Beetle the Bard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't think this is unsurprising, but uh, something just worth quickly noting is that uh, Chris Riddle, he is going to illustrate the tales of Beetle the Bard uh, for Bloomsbury in a new edition that's going to be released next year um, and benefit J.K. Rowling's charity Lumos. So yet another illustrated Harry Potter book is on its way in 2018. Well, I'm glad that they're giving Jim K. a break and not making him illustrate <laughs> this one. This one is 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 interesting to me because this is actually fairy tales. These these are children's stories, right? That mm-hmm. would you think require quite a bit of illustration normally, and and um, I I think that it's uh, uh, interesting that we're going down this road again that we're illustrating yet another Harry Potter book, but. Uh, given that it is Beetle the Bard, I'll definitely uh, be looking to get it. It comes out uh, in October of 2018. 
Yeah, I think it's more suited to be illustrated personally than, uh, say, like Order of the Phoenix. Because um, as you said, it, Mike, it is a, it is a children's book and designed to be read like that. And I, I think um, the artwork, definitely like the imagery of the stories is very vibrant and I think will be done justice in, in art form. Mm-hmm. So I like it. I think, I mean, the original Be- uh, Beetle the Bard or the one that was released had some, some illustrations from Joe. Right. Yep. I seem to recall... Uh, the hopping pot uh, with like a, a smelly, hairy foot coming out of a cauldron and, you know, things like that. And I, I tend to prefer artwork writ- done by the artist, the author herself. <laughs> um, but I think that this will probably like be a nice book to have and to own and to just have around the house. Yeah. And I think it's fun um, with like the Harry Potter books being illustrated and then Fantastic Beasts in this like getting to share it with a younger generation. I think it's just like mm-hmm. revamping it for not revamping. That's not the word I wanted. But anyway, like, well, yeah. yeah, back in our day, we didn't need pictures to accompany every word yeah. in a book. Yeah. Now they have illustrated versions and animated versions and everything. So and audio versions. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty soon there's going to be intravenous versions. They can just pump. Well, it I'm waiting for system. virtual reality. Uh, yeah, that'd be that, awesome. That's the next step. But just to uh, close out the story, Riddle said that these fairy tales are vivid and beautifully crafted and will resonate in the sumptuous format Bloomsbury has given me. But the true joy has been to discover the richness and texture of Dumbledore's footnotes. I can't wait to pull on my robes and begin my tenure as a supply teacher at Hogwarts. Uh, that's awesome. This guy sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one more news story here, Eric, uh, you wanted to touch on, and then we'll jump into the discussion. Yeah, always a happy uh, always a happy day when J.K. Rowling uh, interacts with you on Twitter. This is not a follow-up to what happened to me last week, but uh, this is uh, just a nice moment. Um, there's basically a new world-class uh, gymnast, um, and her name is Morgan Hurd. And somebody was uh, asking J.K. Rowling, somebody by the name of Uncle Tim, uh, at Uncle Tim Men's Gym, Dear J.K. Rowling, a huge Harry Potter fan named Morgan Hurd, just became a world champion in gymnastics. Any chance you can congratulate her? And uh, Morgan replied to his comment and said, I would actually cry. J.K. Rowling then tweets Morgan and says, Congratulations, Morgan. And, um... Morgan is just absolutely shocked. Uncle Tim's request did go through. J.K. Rowling got the news, and Morgan replied, Oh my God, thank you so much. Your writing has truly changed my view on the world and my life. And then J.K. Rowling said, I'm truly honored to hear that from a real-life hero in glasses. Um, So J.K. Rowling totally looked up uh, Morgan for sure, and was able to congratulate her on a world-class title, which is absolutely very impressive. Um, and it just really, like, made this made this woman's day. Um, so I, I thought that was really, really sweet uh, that that worked out for her. And, and, yeah, I mean, ultimately seeing J.K. Rowling care about and congratulate and take the time to get to know, like, oh, yeah, Morgan wears glasses to, to really put some thought into what she said um, when she congratulated her was really special. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we definitely want to also congratulate Morgan. 
All right. Well, let's get into our main discussion uh, for the week. As mentioned earlier, we uh, talked a lot about on last week's episode the new casting news for Fantastic Beasts 2. Quite a few characters revealed and then also some additional information about those who will be returning. And uh, we got a couple of um, listeners who wrote in and, and had some interesting thoughts and theories. So I think we can start there and then kind of jump into some of the other questions that we came up with now that we have a little bit of a larger picture in terms of what Fantastic Beasts 2 is all about, or, or maybe quite honestly, we have no freaking clue, but uh, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to throw some ideas out there. We're going to let Bethany, uh, you know, really uh, tell us what she thinks is going to happen. And, and we're just going to stick by what she says. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. the pressure. Yeah, our listeners are very uh, eagle-eyed or eagle-eared, and some of this, uh, some of this feedback, some of these rebuttals, and uh, further discussion points will lead us nicely into figuring out what the heck is going on with this sequel. So, uh, first rebuttal here is from Diana P, who says, "Hi, MuggleCast. When I found out Nicholas Flamel would be in Fantastic Beasts two, I realized he'd be around six hundred and twenty-eight years old in the movie." I started to wonder if he and Dumbledore created the Elixir of Life, how did he get to be over 600 years old before meeting Dumbledore? When I reread Dumbledore's Chocolate Frog card, it says he is known for his work in alchemy with Nicholas Flamel, which means that together they must have discovered something other than the Elixir of Life. Do you think in Fantastic Beasts 2 we will find out what they discovered? Maybe it was inventing something that can separate a person from their obscurus, and some of their ingredients had to come from Newt's Beast Collection, and they will try to use it on Credence. What do you guys think? This was my... um, So yesterday when I was um, thinking about all of this, that was my biggest wonder. Like... um, did Newt, is Newt brought into the story because of the elixir of life? Because I was reading up on it and um, it not only like extends life, but it also is said to cure all diseases and like Voldemort sought it out in order to um, restore his body. So I was wondering um, since Newt had um, successfully separated the Obscurus from the Sudanese girl, but she died because of that process. I was wondering if since Credence has a bigger role as the movies go on, if maybe they seek out Newt and or not Newt, um, Nicholas Fulmel in order to um, utilize the elixir of life to separate Credence from the Obscurus. This is blowing my mind uh, right now. And it would seem to really streamline what we know of like what the plot has to be with what it could be based on the new casting. Like, I think it very neatly wraps a bow around what are all these new characters doing in fantastic beasts. And it seems to like, what I like most about it is that it plays with the plot of, of the film that we do have um, already in that credence is trying to get well, or they're trying to help credence out. I I really like the theory. I think that it has a lot of uh, substance to it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if that's, in fact, how it plays out. Because uh, we talked a lot about on the last episode, it would be a little bit too cliche to have the villain going after the Elixir of Life, the Sorcerer's Stone, similar to what happened in in the first Harry Potter book slash movie. However, 
do we think that this is only something that Newt would be interested in? Could Grindelwald be interested in in obtaining something this powerful, uh, even as it relates to separating the person from the Obscurus? Although he seems to be more focused on how he can utilize Obscurus. I don't. What's the plural? Obscurials to to. Obscu- uh, Obscuri, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, how how he can use them to his advantage? Like that's why mm-hmm. he goes to New York. Uh, he's, right. He's in search of credence and and how he can use him to his advantage. So, I, I think that, you know, anytime uh, I one of these theories comes up, I feel like more questions come to the surface. It's it's mm-hmm. it, so. Uh, but yeah. It, it's good because we can look back on it and say. Bethany was a hundred percent right, and and Eric and Micah were, you know, a bunch of dunderheads. But which is probably what's going to happen. Uh, but I well, really Diana, like that theory. I really do yeah, like that theory. Diana points out that uh, I mean, if if Nicholas Flamel has been alive for six hundred sixty six years at the time of Sorcerer's Stone, it means he clearly has had the elixir of life for a very long time. It had nothing to do with Dumbledore originally. The Sorcerer's Stone has nothing to do with Dumbledore originally. Um, so the work together that is mentioned of Albus and Nicholas doing work together in alchemy has to ultimately be about something else that they worked on. And we, we know they're collaborative, uh, partners in something. We just don't know what, and the broad topic is alchemy really could be anything. And I like the idea that yes, in this time period, it's very much been raised to be the issue of obscurials and how to save their lives and what the nature of them is it now seems a lot clearer based on this theory and kind of you know the presence of flamel being an indicator that maybe it does have something to do with alchemy and and the magic and the secrets that that medieval art has in store mm-hmm. so totally yeah. love it um you want to read the be, next one Mike? yeah but i have one more question this may be mm-hmm. a bit of an ignorant question though the elixir of life is—is is it sort of formalized and put into a solid state in the Sorcerer's Stone? Like it. Well, so the text is the text says um, it. It is the only known maker of the Sorcerer's Stone which produces the elixir of life. So something about the stone can generate. I'm assuming like a potion. Yeah, I I'm read on. It's like, I read online that um, the. Elixir of life is like a drinkable You drink potion. it like an elixir. So something about the stone, and only the stone can do this, um, you know, create this uh, substance that you can ingest and then live um, forever. Although it really just prolongs life because as we discover in book one, um, Nicholas is slated to die. Mm-hmm. Um because well, presumably stops. because he's distanced himself or separated himself from the stone, right? Right. The stone is destroyed at the end. Right. Um, according to Dumbledore, which can we really trust that? We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, also other possibilities in terms of using it to save people's lives who may be injured during the course of this uh, this movie, uh, creatures, beasts who could be injured, or perhaps needing certain elements of of certain beasts to actually create the elixir in the first place well 
Yes and no. Again, Flamel has been using it for 500 years before he met Newt yeah. Scamander. Um, yeah, so maybe he's old. He's been... I mean, what's to say he can still chase down all the different ingredients? <laughs> I think it's fair, dude. And I, you know what I love about it is we never had this uh, luxury in the Harry Potter books because at the end of the first one, the Sorcerer's Stone is destroyed. But if you could totally use the Sorcerer's Stone to, or Philosopher's Stone to keep one of our main characters alive or heal them after they've been injured by Grindelwald, hell yeah, then totally. Like, mm. I'm so thrilled we're getting Nicholas Flamel. Maybe that means that the stakes are not as high as they seem to have been, um, you know, with somebody like Nicholas Flamel on our side. Yep. Possible. So, it's all very possible exciting. right now. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next email came from Kimmy, who says, Hey, MuggleCast, I've been listening for a few months now, and I absolutely love the podcast, as I can never have too much Harry Potter in my life. wanted to write in to comment on the discussion you had in episode 340 about Nicholas Flamel being in Fantastic Beasts 2 and the possibility of Grindelwald going after the Sorcerer's Stone. You mentioned that it seems strange for Grindelwald to be after the Elixir of Life because, as far as we know, Grindelwald never wanted immortality. I completely agree because in addition to this being incredibly repetitive, I think it's also out of character for Grindelwald. Unlike Voldemort, who would obviously want the elixir of life since he spent a good portion of his life trying to make himself immortal, I feel like Grindelwald's motivation was never really about bringing glory to himself. In his own twisted way, Grindelwald was doing what he thought was best for the wizarding world, quote, for the greater good. If he did want the elixir, it would have been an element in his attempts at... at sorry, let me try that again. If he did want the elixir, it would have to be an element in his attempts at a wizarding revolution, not just to help himself. I think it is much more likely that the timeline just matched up and J.K. Rowling thought Flamel would make a great addition to the story. Can't wait to hear more of your thoughts on the new movies. Uh, Yeah, this makes sense. Unless Grindelwald is after like something to do with the Obscurial and the Elixir of Life can give that to him, then he would want the stone. You mean to just fully separate? Because yeah, I, he doesn't, he doesn't really care. care. Yeah, he doesn't care about keeping the person alive necessarily. Right. Like, yeah, he would absolutely. Seeing how uh, much in love he was with the Obscurus when Newt separated it, um, that was what he wanted to harness and you know use. He doesn't care about it killing people, so I don't know why he'd be after the elixir. I guess yeah, you're you're right. And that would tie in. Um, because Newt obviously is invested in, like, maintaining the Obscurus, not only to keep it away from Grindelwald, but also to, like, study it and whatnot. And so um, that would kind of be more conflict between Newt and Grindelwald if they were both after the Obscurus, but for different reasons. Yeah. I I like the idea that the Obscurus plays into all of this, that it's a recurring thing of course we know due to like the history Dumbledore's history with Ariana who's more than definitely a, an obscurial as well um that it's going to be a central theme of these movies is uh that kind of creation and what it means for being true to yourself and what it means for like the implications of the how magic works because the obscurial is presumably the most important powerful force uh dark force in in the universe mm-hmm. Uh, Here's an email from Nicole Smith, who says, Hey there, listening to your discussion on episode 340 regarding new character releases, uh, specifically Traverse and Rosier, or Travers and Rosier. 
Uh, I agree that it may be more of them just being darker and leading to their kin's Death Eater roots. I also wanted to help clarify the beginning of the Death Eaters. I don't think we're going to see the first Wizarding War at all. These books specifically reference the first Death Eaters really forming with Tom Riddle in school, those friends of his in the Slug Club that call themselves Death Eaters and become the first of Voldemort's supporters. So Death Eaters aren't a thing until after Voldemort leaves school and starts to gain power. I don't think that any characters in Fantastic Beasts... uh, so, oh, so I do think that any characters in Fantastic Beasts may be parents or grandparents of Death Eaters, uh, but the films will only hint at their future kin. Um, so Death Eaters, that might have just been a slip-up. Death Eaters aren't a thing until Voldemort is in power. So no matter what, this Traverse and Rosier won't be Death Eaters. Doesn't mean they won't actively support Grindelwald or his views, or even be whatever Grindelwald's gang eventually calls itself. Um, So just a good clarification there from Nicole. I think that there is a good chance, though, that these families were supporters of Grindelwald, and Mm -hmm. that the natural progression would be when they see somebody like a Grindelwald rise to power in Voldemort later on, there's the natural sort of affiliation that comes about as a result of it. Otherwise, why even put them in these films? You don't you don't need to have Travers or, or Rosier in these movies unless there's going to be some sort of tie-in to Voldemort later on. Right. Um, I mean, J.K. Rowling, like a possible excuse is that Rowling has said how small the wizarding world is time and again. So... Because especially like pure blood families, there's there's just so few of them, and wizards there's so much less than there are uh, muggles, and so her use of you know grabbing ancestors or you know uh, grandparents, parents and grandparents of the Death Eaters and names that we're familiar with is also just to not have to come up with brand new names and then have Harry Potter fans be asking, well, where the heck were these families and their children uh, in normal Harry Potter? Like, so I think it might be just a creative way, too, of making sure that people know that it's in the same world without having to write all new family names and histories. So there is that. True. Yeah, it's possible. I I think, though, that... The, you know, my mind initially goes back to the Lestranges. Mm. Why have them in the movie? It, it, to me, these are all they're callbacks, right? Normally, it, it doesn't go in, in this particular direction. Normally, you're building up <laughs> to something that then in the future, when the Harry Potter movies are released, you're like, oh yeah, I remember when the Lestranges were mentioned in the Fantastic Beasts movies. But right. it's a little bit... We're going backward as opposed to be going forward so it, it i think it requires a little bit more math but i'm trying to remember i think it was was it travers who was at school with voldemort uh um, specifically mentioned yes that uh so it's very well possible that whoever we're meeting in this movie could be his father could be his uncle could be his brother maybe uh, again, wizards tend to have a little bit longer of a shelf life than um, than humans do, so it's <laughs> it's certainly possible that uh, you know if 
he goes to school with him in the 1940s that if we're still here in the 1920s, you know, we're dealing with um, a, a relative that's not that far separated, um, you know, because I know Nicole touched on parents or grandparents, but would likely be um, this person's father, I would guess. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, getting to the going to the point of families and the way that Queenie reacts uh, when she finds out that Lita's last name is Lestrange. And even in America, you know, they've heard of the Lestrange family. Um, it isn't necessarily that people or like entire families are evil. But when you're talking about a father, son or father, daughter or, you know, parental relationship, you're very much raised by your parents to hold their same views and values. Um, again, it's not that all families are evil, but if you have the family that sort of, if your dad, um, was always going on about your dad or your mom, or both were always going on about Grindelwald and how he had some, some right ideas about how wizarding government should work and, you know, that kind of thing, you tend to internalize your, your family politics and, and not to say you can't escape from them. Um, even Sirius Black did, but you that's your first impression when you're when you're raising up and when you're a child and when you're naive there's not a real reason for you to have any different politics than those of your parents so it makes sense that i don't know it would just be natural for somebody like lita to believe whatever her whatever she hears at home about politics Mm -hmm. um and so you know maybe i mean her being a troublemaker is is a separate point entirely but as far as you know why these families always seem to be dark how traverse and rosier probably have kids who are death eaters like you're saying is more to do with you know them raising their kids to believe what they believe Mm -hmm. um, and not like poor writing or anything like that and I, I just wanted to correct what I said earlier. I think I said Travers. It was actually uh, Rosier that was at school with, with Voldemort. Uh, so, oh, interesting. Yeah. I went back and I checked our, our doc from last week. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not well versed in, in those two characters. I'll just I'll throw that out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think, though, that, you know, and we discussed this, and I think we'll continue to discuss it as the films go on, is that these wor- these two worlds that, that exist are, are really one in the same, uh, you know, and, and so even though we're, we're talking about two distinct different, um, timeframes, right. In, in this world, inevitably they are going to become more and more interconnected. We are going to meet characters, younger versions of characters, um, mm-hmm. from the Harry Potter films. We are going to meet distant relatives. Uh, things are going to come into play that, only J.K. Rowling uh, knows how to to write. I mean that that's I think what drew so many of us to the Potter series initially is is that ultimately at its core, it is a bit of a mystery, right? It is a bit of a of, of a detective novel to try and and figure out exactly how all these pieces fit together. And so I think as as the Fantastic Beast films continue to get released, we are going to see more familiar names come to the surface, and and you know. The, I, to me, J.K. Rowling does it in a way that you know continues to keep bringing you back. Yeah, it's it's palatable. She's doing it tastefully um, and tantalizingly. Um, I really love our last uh, rebuttal here that we're going to read, which is from John Endline. Endline, John E says, hey guys, after catching up on your episodes and character discussions, I have a theory. A few times you've mentioned Grindelwald getting his powers taken away when he's in Nurmengard. 
and someone brought up that if this was possible, why doesn't Voldemort do this to Muggleborns, etc.? My thinking is that the act of taking away another wizard's magic is something only Dumbledore was able to do to Grindelwald out of love. When Dumbledore finally decided he had to take down Grindelwald in 1945, I'm sure he couldn't bear killing him, so he took his powers away so that he could remain alive imprisoned for his crimes. This would also rule out Voldemort ever being able to perform this type of magic because he can't love would love to hear your thoughts. Um, so this idea, the reason I love it is because getting into the Obscurial and this parasitic force, which is like your magic force but repressed, if they really truly do learn to separate the Obscurial or even have uh, an idea about the nature of a wizard's innate magic, it might actually enable somebody like Dumbledore to take somebody's powers away. And that would explain why Grindelwald, from his defeat in 1945, is able to rot into a cell, or rot in a cell, in a prison that he himself built for 50 years um, without escaping. Like, what finally stops Grindelwald is maybe that he gets his powers taken away. Well, look, I mean, uh, one of the major themes about this series thus far has been the ability to separate magic from person right Mm -hmm. so you know is that what this is all leading up to and i'm talking about you know the 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 obscurials right so yeah if, if it's all about trying to find a way to detach the the magic from the from the individual maybe ultimately if this is what grindelwald is so passionate about seeking that it's almost ironic in the end that that's what ends up happening to him that they they do find a way to to do this uh and Mm -hmm. and it ends up kind of biting him in the ass in the long run yeah yeah i i also love the idea that it's um a good side power that it's you know the light rather than the dark magic that is causing you to separate a wizard from their magic although i don't really buy that it's certainly interesting and would explain why voldemort doesn't do it later like that is the problem again to reiterate that these films have i think to some extent which is that you you ultimately cannot introduce a new facet or aspect of the magical world that would have made the harry potter books shorter you can't do it because that's a plot hole so I don't know. It's just yeah. it's because it, Dumbledore is so heavily involved in Harry's journey, and if there were anything that Dumbledore could do, like saving Harry's magic or whatever it could be, whatever it turns out, he and Flamel are working on with Newt, maybe giving a hand, any of that. If it could have made Harry's life easier, we want to believe that Dumbledore would have done it. So ultimately, there can't be so many revelations that are relevant to Harry's story. They have to be things like the Obscurial, which are relevant only to Dumbledore um, because of his family history. Things that have grander Wizarding World implications, but not ones that directly influence what Voldemort could have done to either seize power or succeed, you know, or anything like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I I think these emails kind of lead into a a much larger discussion, right? As we look at, at what we know about Fantastic Beasts 2, uh, you just mentioned the Dumbledore family. There's there's quite a bunch of new characters that we're aware of to this point. Uh, we know that Jude Law has been cast as Dumbledore. We have 
heard that they were looking to cast younger versions of both Newt and Lita, as mm-hmm. well as Albus and Grindelwald. There's a there there was a casting call for a young character named Sebastian, who we know very little about. <laughs> uh, Theseus, who is who has been mentioned um, in in the first Fantastic Beast film, but will in fact be playing a role in Fantastic Beast Two. Uh, there's a character called Crawl, which we've actually never spoken about on this show. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, Nicholas Flamel, uh, who you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about. Um, the two Death Eater families, uh, Rossier and, and Travers. Uh, and then some other kind of random characters. Spielman, no relation that we know of to Eric. No relation. Uh, Bunty, who kind of sounds like could be involved in the circus uh, that, that we know about. <laughs> and then Arnold Guzman. Um, hmm. And then you know, we've gotten confirmation on returning characters like Lita Lestrange, Serafina Pickery, Credence, and then Abernathy. Kind of a random one there. but So there's a lot of characters. And what I wanted to, to do here is, is just kind of talk for a minute about the fact that we've mentioned all these characters, but we haven't even talked about Newt, Tina, Jacob, or Queenie. Like th- th- This is a pretty big cast. Yeah. It's it's huge. It's it's so much beyond, like in terms of importance of multiple characters, it goes beyond the scope of the Harry Potter films, um, at the very least. You know, the Harry Potter films, you had a trio. Here we have a quartet. But even in Harry Potter, you know, main character wise, you only have maybe a couple more professors and Voldemort. Versus this this one, you have a series of so many more allies, which just see, because we're introducing all of them for the first time, will need to take up screen time and have importance in this film, or they should. Yeah, and and you know, taking a look at the entire cast, where do we really think this movie is headed? And and interested, Bethany, to to get your thoughts as well. Yeah, I um know last week on the show, you guys were like listing like all of the things between the circus and it being um, there being scenes in America and London and Paris and scenes at Hogwarts and everything. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like um, look into like history, like how Dumbledore and Grindelwald are connected, how Newt and Lita are connected, which would explain why they're casting like the younger actors for those those characters um but i think it's probably going to be like how are all these people connected to try to start building like why they're motivated to like fight against grindelwald how the whatever the relationship between newt and lita are like how that is tumultuous um because it's just hard there's like so much they're trying to fit in and obviously a lot of characters um so i think it's just gonna and i think even with like um the like, all of the characters, even that were just cast, like, it might just be they appear on screen, like, you know, in a scene, like, a group of them with Grindelwald, like, all of his followers, and then, um, you know, they might not even be introduced by name or have any lines, but, you know, they, like, they'll cast characters that have a specific character that they're, they'll cast actors and actresses that have specific characters they're playing without right. them actually having a part, but just to show that Grindelwald was starting to get followers and... um yeah, how they're, why they're all motivated to, you know, how Newt and Dumbledore connected those kind of things. Yeah, 
And we yeah. mentioned, I think, the Shaws last week and characters who are actors who are announced and their character names are revealed and we think they're going to be big, but ultimately they're just part of a larger group um, that don't really get anything. The thing here, too, Micah, you have in the document, um, can beasts even fit into a story with this many characters? Um, is there a chance Fantastic Beast 2 focuses on one beast that's integral to the plot? Will he, she be part of the circus? So we have this Wizarding Circus, which is happening, and this beast. But with all this new casting news, it's like, wait a minute. Are beasts just like the the magical beasts, Fantastic Beasts, which the series derives its namesake from, are they just going to be an afterthought uh, in this film? Or, you know, how do you guys feel? I know for me personally, I want to see more of the Newt case. I want to <laughs> see more of these crazy creatures and where they live. And I think it's sort of in the nature of a sequel in some ways to top the, or, or to heighten or to, um, you know, showcase more of spend more time with things you introduced in the first film. But I just can't see with all of these characters, Newt sitting down and, you know, petting or feeding a new creature we've never seen before. I just don't think there's room. It's hard to say. I, I, I think that Beast definitely won't be uh, playing as big of a role as they did in the first film. I think that introduction to Newt's suitcase was was the introduction to the world in which Newt lives. And I think yeah. that we will get Beast in the second film, but I just think that there's going to be one or two that are integral to the plot. Mm. And and that and and it could one of them could very well be um, the Obscurus and and you know it, it there's going to be a way that it all ties back together. J.K. Rowling is very good at that, but I, I don't think we're going to be chasing down um, you know Beast in Central Park or right, the equivalent right, right. of that in France. Uh, you know uh, maybe we see some when we're at Hogwarts. Um, you know we've talked a lot about uh, Beasts that Newt could potentially give to characters that we know. It may be a little bit early for the the Hagrid Aragog uh handoff, but not so much for Fox. Uh, we know we don't know a lot about Fox uh at least right now. Yeah. So that I'm interested. You know, a Phoenix is is eternal, right? So is the elixir of life supposed to make you eternal. So could something from a Phoenix be integral to creating um the sorcerer's stone? I think it's certain. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. It's certainly integral to creating Harry's wand. Um, maybe we can see the birth. We can see Newt or Nicholas Flamel plucking the tail feather that uh, in 12 years time will go, or in 10 years time will go to Tom Riddle and Harry and in 30 years, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like they'll probably bring back like the fan favorite beast, like, the Niffler and Niffler. is it what's the the little stick's name? Is it Picket? Am I making that up? Oh, yeah, the bow truckle. The bow truckle, yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like they'll bring those back just because fans loved like the relationship that um, Newt had with them. Um, but I definitely could see um, like is the plural obscurial? Is that correct? No, well, obscurial is the person who is possessed by the obscurus. Okay so many different forms of the word I know. um yeah but i feel like those will be a um those could be a like major like plot device 
you know, like Beast in the in the next movie. Um, because who's to say that like Grindelwald doesn't start trying to seek out others since trying to like get the um, Obscurious from Credence like didn't work. Um, and maybe that's why I was interested when I was like rereading the like plot of the next movie. It said that Albus needed help from Newt. And so I think in all, like my mind, I was like, oh, that normally I feel like everyone would seek help from Albus, but they worded it that Albus was seeking help from Newt. So maybe when like a thought could be like if Dumbledore realized that um, Grindelwald was seeking out the obscure eye or whatever the plural is, um, maybe that's why he enlists Newt's help um, since Newt knows more about them and, um, you know would be able to possibly help out. That was just a thought. I don't know if that has any yeah, validity, it, but yeah, I think it's a good thought though, because we, we know, or at least we think we know at this point that Ariana was an Obscurus. So mm-hmm. if this all played out the way that we think it did and, and Grindelwald uh, had a major role in that, then that was sort of the foundation upon which all of this began. So your theory about Dumbledore potentially needing Newt's help in in trying to stop Grindelwald from pursuing more of of these obscurises, right? Or obscuri, whatever we're calling them, uh, actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that kind of helps answer the question a little bit of of how much do we think we're going to be spending looking back in this film as opposed to being in present day. Uh, And, you know, this is, this in my mind is a creative way to kind of cut out the core four characters from a good portion of the film, right? In terms of not needing a lot of screen time for Newt or Jacob or Tina or Queenie. If you're, if you're spending a lot of the film going back and looking at, the relationship between Newt and Lita, what transpired between Dumbledore and Grindelwald all those years ago. Yeah, I I will say, though, this still feels like their series to me. They're they're the quartet. It'll break my heart if in a couple months it comes out that they only had a few weeks of filming because the movie's about so many damn other things. You know, like, that would just... That would just kill me if um, in this film, Jacob stays in America and Queenie with him because they're together now and he's got a bakery to run. That would suck, right? Like if it's, I mean, we could certainly the film would be capable of telling an interesting story that didn't involve those characters, but this still very much like for me, for comfort level, I want it to still focus on these core four. Yeah. And I feel Um, like it wouldn't make sense to cut them out because obviously, obviously we know that Newt and Tina end up together. So we probably want to learn more about her and everyone fell in love with Jacob. So it would, wouldn't really make sense to cut them out. You know, obviously if they have to do a lot of like backstory and flashbacks and whatnot, like to build, build up the storyline, like that makes sense. But I just don't feel like it would make sense that they wouldn't be like the focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Harry Potter films have, uh, well, flashbacks in the Harry Potter films, I'll say it, I'll be the one to say it, have always sucked. Yes. <laughs> uh, like, because they get so condensed in the in the interest of, I don't know if it's pacing, we could ask Heyman and Yates about that at some point, um, but like, 
Snape's Worst Memory, for instance, which was cast and shot, amounted to, you know, half of a montage of, like, three shots, and that was it. So, you know, all the dialogue, everything that made it important will be cut out. Of course, they can't do that if they're actually explaining things, like Lita and Newt's backstory, or Dumbledore and Grindelwald first meeting, or anything that happened, and wherever Sebastian comes in, they have to do longer backstories. But ultimately, flashbacks have never ruled the Harry Potter films, so why start now? Um, you know, the question of how much time will actually be spent in a flashback, I simultaneously would like it to be a lot of time because I love, like, stuff that happened in the past. I love flashback as a technique. But then I also just want to kind of get to the the main action and be like, well, now that established what we're doing now, but let's actually see the characters do stuff now. And for that in particular, you would still need a bit more casting, right? We haven't heard about Ariana being cast. We haven't heard mm-hmm. about uh, Aberforth, uh, who is, is present, or either yeah. of Dumbledore's uh, parents, even assuming it goes back further than that point, right? Is it Kendra and um, yep, Kendra his, his and dad? Percival. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so really interesting. And and going back to New Beast real quick, just uh, I, I hope that, you know, there is this wizarding circus, which is visiting Paris, I think, or at least Europe. Um, you know, maybe that will be our only source of new beasts in the film that we'll be able to see, I don't know, a weird animal or something. I, I really liked our discussion a few uh, weeks ago, which we dedicated to the circus when we first found out about it. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll basically rely on the core established characters and beasts. And then, um, as you said, Bethany, have like the fan favorites, like the Niffler. Like, I think the Niffler and maybe the um, Crumplehorn Snorkak will probably have another scene where maybe they get let loose or maybe like not let loose in the same way of oops they got out of the case but like you know strategically used by newt for a purpose um i think and and god guys what would the niffler do with the sorcerer's stone where you could turn anything into gold can you imagine be that could make for its own deleted scene i guess it would just die (laughs) It would just die. No, I think no. it's head. I think it's uh, furry also little the head. Also, the Debbie guys. I think that's an easy one to. Oh yeah, yeah. See, there's so many memorable. Him beasts. and Jacob get along very well, from what I remember. Yeah. Maybe um, they'll even have like, if Newton, Albus, or whoever are meeting, maybe they're meeting in his case. So you'll see all the creatures that we met in the last movie, like in the background, or they're you know Newt's taking care of them. Like even that, maybe they'll try to like just insert like the ones that fans know into the movie just to create like a sense of consistency. Yeah. Well, Eric did say, didn't you a couple weeks ago that Pickett was going to end up in Dumbledore's beard? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's probably um, legit. I think, uh, well, if he ever leaves Newt's side, cause I don't think, I think he's still a little attached to Newt, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Dumbledore's beard at this point is not long enough for, based on that photo of Jude Law we found, is not long enough for Pickett to, to live in. But give it time, everybody. Give it time. Give it about 40 years, and we'll see how we feel. All right. Well, I think uh, th- there's obviously going to be a lot to discuss. We're going to get a lot of new characters uh, that will be cast in the coming weeks right i think you know we're gonna hit high season at some point here where we're start gonna get start to get more and more information about fantastic beasts too 
even last week's announcement of nine was it new characters is huge and yeah there there may indeed be more coming the movie is about a year away we're about actually it's like 13 months to the day um ish and that is a pretty exciting thing but yeah there's there's a long haul to go and a lot more will be revealed which answers some of these questions about how certain characters fit into certain things um it's exciting because for the first movie it was really difficult to you know discuss what we thought was going to happen because we really had nothing to go off of so now that we at least have one movie to go off of to be able to have like a lot more in-depth discussions like this knowing the you know based on our knowledge of the harry potter series and now having a fantastic beast movie um it makes for a lot better discussion which is exciting yep yeah uh so let's talk about crawl real quickly yeah, so this was a bit of casting news. I don't remember us ever discussing on the show, but uh, apparently Crawl uh, is a ambitious and sulky henchman of Grindelwald's that will be appearing <laughs> in the next Fantastic Beasts film. And it's interesting because we, we haven't seen any of Grindelwald's quote-unquote followers yet. Mm. We saw in the first film uh, before the big reveal that Graves could have potentially been a follower of of Grindelwald's, but um, we obviously know that now not to be the case. However, it's clear that somebody like him uh, is definitely going to have those who follow and subscribe to his, you know, how he thinks. And you know, this is this is a time of very tense relations uh, internationally. We know that uh, we're headed ultimately towards uh, the Second World War. Uh, so I'm assuming that there are going to be a lot of parallels that exist uh, between what happened in the real world uh, and what's happening in the wizarding world as well. Yeah, we saw Grindelwald make that, uh, well, under the form of Graves, we saw him make a compelling argument, an argument that, you know, the the Aurors, the other Aurors who were supposed to attack him were stimmied by, like, you know, he his rhetoric, his powerful way of speaking appeals to the parts inside of people that that craves dominance and craves power and craves supremacy all the things that following grindelwald uh promises so we will start to see people following grindelwald we will start to see people who are actively acting against our heroes that aren't just the person who's in disguise as grindelwald himself and we may or may not this keeps getting alluded to we may or may not see one of the four you know characters betray each other and their friends uh for Grindelwald. I don't think it'll happen, but it might happen. Yeah, it's it's very possible. Yeah. Cuz I mean, at this point, I think the series is suffering from too many good guys, right? Credence is sort of a wild card but more inclined to listen to Queenie's um soft-heartedness. We have Queenie, Tina, Jacob, Newt, Dumbledore, Flamel, um, you know, it's the list goes on. Theseus, All, we're assuming, is is a good guy. Yeah, Theseus, who's the man who's designed, who's designated by the Ministry to hunt down Grindelwald. Like the the list goes on. There's so many good guys. We know very, very, very little about Spielman, who's probably a bad guy, and other bad guys. <laughs> Right. I think Spillman's a bad guy. Uh, we did hear from uh, our patrons on this uh, topic overall in terms of the, the casting news that broke last week. Uh, first up, Sean McKee said, um, 
very excited that uh, Carmen Jogo is returning. Uh, the backstory of Serafina Pickery on Pottermore was the most interesting to me of all the characters introduced in Fantastic Beasts, but she really wasn't in the first film much. Have to wait and see if she has a bigger part in the sequel, but I'm very happy to see Madam President back on the big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see her have a, an even bigger part in part two that, than she did in part one. I don't think it's possible at all. Um, <laughs> so you're crushing because, your dreams. Yeah, I mean, I'd love for uh, this film, for Fantastic Beasts 2 to really be like, Every single other character is a peripheral character, and Fantastic Beasts 2 happens to be the story of, like, Abernathy struggling to make it in the world. Definitely, um, yeah. You know, or Pickery. Yeah, it won't It won't happen. Like, it's there's just so many. This is going to be a who's who of, like, a- actors and royalty, and it's just going to be so convoluted, I think. Um, yeah. And even if it does make sense, it will amount to a very low amount of screen time for Yep. any one actor even the main, probably as we just discussed the main four right well Laverius uh, agrees with you and says with all these characters in the movie I doubt these new additions will get much screen time with too many characters the story could lose its focus and the main criticism of the last movie was that it lacked focus uh, that's the first Ooh. time I'm hearing that actually but <laughs> we could same we could discuss that uh, I'm also willing to bet Grindelwald won't get too much screen time less than 30 minutes tops 30 minutes is a lot actually uh, yeah. He'll have his big breakout fight scene from uh, Makusa. Then he'll just be working from behind the scenes for a while. Um, betting the main villain of the second movie will be his henchman, Crawl, played by uh, David Sakurai. Is that how you say that? Sakurai? So, yeah, maybe. Uh, who happens to be from Copenhagen, which could mean the character may be a former Durmstrang student. Ooh. Uh, I'm also hoping Serafina gets more to do than be the American Cornelius Fudge. Uh, as the background <laughs> for her character suggests, she's quite a formidable witch. Uh, maybe her and Grindelwald briefly duel when the latter is escaping. I'm also curious to see how Theseus and Lita fit into all this. Many intriguing prospects to think about. Hmm. Uh, I was looking up that actor, David Sakurai, who also was a character in Marvel's Iron Fist. And the guy seems really talented, to be honest. Um, he's trained in martial arts and uh, actually is sort of a comedic role in Iron Fist. So I think it'll be an interesting character just having that insight into into his character. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, from Shyam, uh, I think the most intriguing casting is definitely Flamel or Jessica Williams. Also, I'm glad Serafina will be back. Uh, but I really hope she gets to do more other than act irritated at Tina 24-7. I was so hyped for her character uh, before the first movie was released, having heard so many cool things about her, but she was criminally underused. Uh, This is probably a long shot, but I kind of hope she joins Newt's gang and becomes one of the main characters. I agree with what you guys have said about too many new cast members. I have no clue how they're going to fit so many people in the story. So actually... Uh, over on Patreon, a lot of uh, love there for Serafina Pickery. I think a lot of people want to see her get some more screen time. Um, but actually, Eric, I just wanted to touch on something you mentioned um, that we didn't talk about, uh, that you mentioned in the doc, I should say, uh, that Jessica Williams is American. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if she plays a role here uh, in New York or she plays a completely different role over in either Paris or the UK. Yeah, I'm I'm so torn about both of these issues, uh, Serafina Pickery and the casting of Jessica Williams, because uh, 
regarding Serafina, let's be clear here. She still has a country to run. Um, you know, so I don't think it's likely that she's even going to be in Paris unless it's sort of like a, a day trip for a symposium or a, um, a meeting, you know, like, like the one we saw taking place in New York City um, during the events of the first Beast film. So maybe she'll make a cameo. Maybe she'll be uh, approached by somebody who's uh, announcing that Grindelwald has escaped and she's like, what? But I, I really don't think it'll be a bigger role. Then with Jessica Williams, again, like, if the Harry Potter films used to not cast American actors as a rule, it was only British people because they're playing British characters for whatever reasons. You know, I don't know if it was like a, a Winmore Baftas sort of thing or if they just don't think Americans can do uh, good British accents. I certainly can't. But they didn't used to cast American actors. Now they've actually broken that da- the dam has broke um, has broken on that. And I found out that, you know, I really wanted to believe that we'd spend more time in America as a result of Jessica Williams, who is an American being cast. But then I noticed, unfortunately, that also Zoe Kravitz, who plays, uh, Lita Lestrange is also an American actress. So this is sort of dangerous because it's no longer a guarantee. The Lestrange family we know are English or you know there's a significant portion of them in England are we saying if they're keeping with the rule that only English actors can play English characters then Lita Lestrange must be an American exchange student who's coming over to Hogwarts falling in love with Newt etc may explain why Newt is not interested in America that much um I don't or so. <laughs> yeah, or uh, Lita is in fact British, which they have an American actress playing a British actress. Nothing wrong with that, but Harry Potter has tended not to do that, and it means that Jessica Williams is not necessarily an American character. Um, they could have her, indeed, as Andrew suggested last week, playing a relation to Lita, but also she could be British. So she we could can't be a really relation use it. to Serafina as well, uh, or to Serafina. Or- or just, I mean, we know her background from The Daily Show. She could fit in as a reporter here. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll see. Uh, time will tell. Uh, and um, I think there's plenty to theorize on here. Definitely want listeners to send us their feedback, whether it's by email or on Twitter. Um, there's a number of different ways, obviously, that you can get in touch with us. But send us your thoughts. Uh, and there, there is no bad one, uh, especially since we don't have the answers and you know, we'll, we'll theorize on it uh, from now until uh, November, 2018. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a couple more things to get to, but before we do, we wanted to let you know that today's podcast is also brought to you by zip recruiter. Are you looking for a job or looking to hire? Well, let me tell you about this week's sponsor zip recruiter with zip recruiter. You can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you, it finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is also excellent for finding a job, With so many businesses posting job opportunities, ZipRecruiter will connect you with potential employers quickly. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, 
Listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash MuggleCast. Excellent. Well, now we have a quizits question and answer session for you all. Uh, last week's question as a uh, refresher was, what words does, word or words does Harry say to open up the wall of snakes in the Chamber of Secrets? And that's a book two question. Uh, many of you wrote in, actually some of you who were, uh, were listening live on, on Patreon already got it uh, right away as we were saying it, but hey, whatever. Um, it's sort of a trick question. Uh, Harry says just the word open, or in some cases open up, uh, except he's speaking parcel tongue when he does it. So, so what exactly does that sound like? That's like pretty that. good, actually. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, who tweeted that? Like that? Anybody tweet that? Si- what, si- Hasi or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I actually didn't do. I didn't do uh, crowdsourcing for answers. I just wanted to congratulate everybody who uh, knew that there was not a particular password to open the Chamber of Secrets. It was just saying "open" in Parcel Tongue. And you know what? That reminds me. Parcel Tongue is such a rare gift, which should be appreciated. But also because it's so rare, that's almost as good as actually having a password. Um, because, you know, so few people, like just saying open, saying a word in parcel tongue means that you were rare enough or talented enough to be able to get in. So that was good enough for Salazar Slytherin. It's good enough for me. Of course, Ron foils it, um, by having as good a memory as I do about what the word was. But, uh, that was the answer. Um, now I need from you guys, uh, to pick a, a book between one and three for next week's Quizits question. Uh, what is the name of the student who lost an eye from uh, as caused by the Whomping Willow? That's the hardest question I've got for you all. all right. Who well, nearly lost an eye from the Whomping Willow? That's a good question. We'll uh, get that up on Twitter this week, and uh, Eric will uh, find a way to uh, celebrate the person who tweets in the correct answer first. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, to wrap up the show this week, we did get a couple of text messages. This is <laughs> this is the new way people are uh, reaching out to us. They are texting our voicemail line. It's, it's all the rage. All it's the rage. all the rage. All the kids are doing it. Uh, in 2017, <laughs> we're finally getting to text messages. It's who knows in in 2018, maybe we'll finally be uh, on Snapchat. Oh yeah, maybe. Uh, all right. Well, uh, the first one here is from Nicole. And uh, she says, I've emailed a few times as I'm listening more regularly again, but uh, I've mostly been emailing to correct you because I'm a freak and way too proud of my obsessive knowledge. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, I'm also texting after listening to this past week's episode. You had one voicemail from the woman who listens while she runs. And Andrew said he could never do that because it doesn't pump him up. Surprisingly, I actually listen when I bike because it distracts me and helps pass time more. And I love it. Just wanted to add that. Thanks. Hmm. Just get a listener. Who, uh, I wonder. I wonder if she Please texted. Don't get that. distracted too much while you bike. I hope it's a stationary bike, not a actual like you're out in your community riding where cars are next to you and stuff like that. I was gonna say. I hope she didn't text that while biking. Yeah. Like <laughs> I said, unless it's a state like a stationary exercise bike, that's totally. Uh, Wait a minute. 
Micah, I'm going to hold you to it. What's wrong with getting out in your community and, 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 and getting she some nice fresh it, air? The podcast distracts her. She can't oh. be distracted while she's riding a bike. out Cutting through traffic. Yeah, good point. Good point. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm not going to be responsible. You want to be responsible. No, no, no. Okay, disclaimer. Okay, if you're doing straight, if you're lifting heavy machinery while listening to MuggleCast, it is not our fault if you burst into laughter and drop something on your foot or kill somebody. It's not our fault. <laughs> That's your disclaimer. All right. Molly says, uh, hi, my name is Molly. I'm a Gryffindor, and I wanted to say that this is the best podcast I've ever listened to. It doesn't feel Uh like I'm listening to three people I've never met before rant about how bad the cursed child is or how suspicious J.K. Rowling is acting. feels like I'm listening to a few friends (laughs) happily discussing something that I am very passionate about. I meet a lot of people who make me feel childish for liking Harry Potter, and it's nice to get away from that. Getting to the point, I have a comment about Fantastic Beasts 2. A while ago, you guys were discussing a plot twist involving Jacob living in the case with taking care of the magical creatures while Newt is gone. I think this is the greatest idea e- I think this is the greatest idea ever because I can just imagine the dramatic music rising as Newt says something like, quote, "My beasts are taken care of." And Jacob stepping out of the shadows with a creature in his arms and him going, "Hey." And then the scene goes black. <laughs> also, I really want Hagrid to meet Newt because they would be such good friends. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing very good at it. Sorry this is so long. Oh, was last that part week, of it? Yeah, last week we complained about emails being too long, and now somebody's managed to send a long text message. But it was delightful to read, and we want to thank Molly for uh, the Gryffindor for her support. I think we're all um, looking forward to Newt Hagrid finally uh, meeting up with each other at some point. Yeah, I I'm not, I'm 99 sure that will happen. I'm also about 70 percent sure that won't happen till the fourth or fifth Fantastic Beast film. Because um, again, we have to get there in time, and even in 1945, Hagrid will only be in his third year at Hogwarts or so. So he's very young, very young thing, but. Um, but great idea about uh, Jacob taking care of Newt's uh, creatures while he's off doing whatever it is he needs to do. That would keep him safe, I would hope. It would keep him safe, I think, and also be a good way for that's that's a perfect um, what compromise between Jacob the Muggle who is unable to see Hogwarts, like even if he were standing at Hogwarts, unable to enter it, unable to go inside. But he does have Newt's suitcase. He's already been in there, and we know that. That that's a way that he can very readily interact with the magical world, which is sure. great. And well, first he needs to get his memory back, and he does need to get his memory back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, finally, we heard from anonymous, who says, "Hi guys, Harry Potter fan, only actually for the last six years. Grew up with the movies and Legos, a constant builder watcher, but was never a fanatic. Got way into it in college, have a tattoo, and have been listening to y'all since 2015." I love you guys, but my only problem is Cursed Child. Y'all have gotten better, but my main comment is leave Cursed Child alone. Okay. You know, well, we will. I think that we have just gotten done with a 90-minute episode or so where we didn't say a single bad thing about Cursed Child. I, I think that's true. I think we've done nothing outside of say that people should be excited. Tomorrow, we're, as mentioned, we're recording on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You will find mm-hmm. out whether or not you've gotten uh, the opportunity to purchase tickets to Cursed Child on Broadway. The tickets go on sale on Wednesday, October 18th. People should be excited. The, I'm, b- evidenced by the fact of 
the the site not working properly, which <laughs> which may have been the only negative that we draw we drew upon. But that's not Cursed Child's fault. That's it's not opinion sense. either. It's it's historical, yeah, it's you know, fact, re- recall. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, never build a website big enough. But but yeah, I I really think we did it, you guys. Uh, I think we t- we talked. We did a whole episode without talking down on Cursed Child. I think it's it's all due to Bethany, honestly. I, yeah, I try. Bethany's I try good. to be as optimistic as I can. So you know. <laughs> yeah. And it um, helps right, that right. we have the, like, seeing it in person to look forward to. It'll be a yeah. different experience than just reading it. Oh yeah, yeah. It won't be as unapproachable. Mm-hmm. Well. That is one thing we'll have to look forward to next week. On our next episode, we will be able to discuss which of us made the final cut uh, for Cursed Child Broadway tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot more will come up between now and then. As mentioned, uh, definitely hit us up. Let us know your thoughts on uh, all of the casting news that has come about in the last couple of weeks around Fantastic Beasts 2. I'm sure there's more to come there as well. There's a number of ways uh, that you can get in touch with us. You can email us, mugglecast at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at mugglecast on Twitter. Uh, We also have Facebook, facebook.com slash mugglecast, as well as our our Patreon, uh, where we have uh, a number of people writing in on all different types of topics at all hours of the day. (laughs) Bethany, I know you're one of them. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate you. Uh, being a member of our Slug Club, um, supporting the show, coming on the show today. You definitely kept us all in check. Um, Andrew would be proud. Oh, well, I really loved being on today. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, There is also a voicemail line, right, Eric, where you can leave a voicemail or also apparently uh, send us text messages. Yeah, I think that number is 9203-MUGGLE, but don't quote me. Andrew's or, the one who or text that. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me or text me. Nine two zero three Muggle M U G G L E, and right. that's alphanumeric. Um, also, the PO box number to send me your chocolate. MuggleCast PO box is four zero four four North Lincoln Avenue, Box one four four Chicago IL six zero six one eight. All right. Well, uh, Bethany, thank you so much again for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much as well. Congratulations again on the new job and good luck yeah. with the move out west. Oh, thanks. Are you looking forward to the warmer weather? Yes, I am. Um, and the lower humidity will be nice as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a few hot weeks here in Chicago too. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Well, we'll catch you later then. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you, listeners. Back. We'll catch you next week for episode three hundred and forty-two. Uh, Micah. I'm Eric. And I'm Bethany. Bye. See ya. And good luck in the lottery. Unless yes. you draw my number. May the odds case. be ever in your favor. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. <laughs>